to act or cease acting? What is it that gives you reason to get up in the morning? Where is it that you place your hope? As we move into Christmas and this season, I think we overlook what God has wonderfully done in our day. He has given us an environment in which to ultimately work out where we place our hope. Now he's done this using our culture. He's done this using what we've made this season to be. But nevertheless, God has worked an environment in which that we can discover and work through where we place our hope. Here's what we have. Two sides of this environment that God has provided for us to be sanctified in our hope. On one side, we have the incarnation of the Son of God. Right? We have the calming of Jesus Christ. Let's think about that for a moment. Let's reflect on what that means for just a few moments. You have the continued plan of God's eternal salvation now come in the flesh. You have the person of God who walked in the not you have the person of God now not having no sorry, you have the person of God who walked in the beautiful garden that he created, but now walks in the five thousand year old sin battered earth that he is in the process of restoring. That's what you have at Christmas. At Christmas you have the rescuer come to conquer sin and death in one swift move. You have the kingdom once prophesied, now the kingdom continuing to be progressively realized. At Christmas you have the kingdom of shadows of the Old Testament now become the kingdom realities in the New Testament. At Christmas, you have Jesus' birth marking a new era of a hope. Hope that God will build a kingdom and that we will be His people once again. You have Jesus' birth marks a new era in which man himself, as Tozer said, will become the dwelling place of God and we will thusly build His kingdom. Jesus' birth displays continued reason for hope because if God began something that fateful night, then then we can have confident expectation that He will finish it with His triumphal return. I think of all these great reasons we have to hope this time of year. God has been so good to us because at the same time that we have reason to hope in these things this year, the world is pushing in on our hope, right? Like the world right now is just pressing in on your heart and pressing in saying, look, place your hope here. Don't place it there. This is much better. This is more satisfying. This will bring you greater joy. So on the other hand of the incarnation of man, of, of, of Jesus, you have the incarnation of man's idolatrous shrine displayed for our eyes and for our hearts to grasp a hold of us. On this hand, you have your kids' pleasure in mom and dad. Oh, that I could make their face burst with joy in me, their parent. You have your sacrifice on display at the feet of your idol, except there's no gold fashioning here. Instead, an idol fashioned in warm pajamas, all cute 
and appearing innocent. Again, God is building, has built this environment for us, for Him to work out this part of our hearts. On display at Christmas, we have all wrapped nice and pretty, often a tribute, a tribute to or a monument to all the hard work of our hands when we lay them at the feet. Oh, the peace that comes from the health of our, ha- our family members or the hope that we have in health. This time of year, we have standing before us the never-ending opportunities to renew ourselves according to our will and by our strength as New Year's resolutions abound. And don't forget, all this money that we just spent, tax season's just around the corner. We can catch up then. God has been ever so kind, I think, to give us at least one season a year like this in which and where we can, and He does, chip away at our never-satisfying hope that we try to find in our self-sufficiency. Our search for hope in the happiness of our kids, our search for hope in the health of our family, our search for hope in the start of a new year, our search for hope in our jobs. The question before us today is, where will you find your hope this Christmas season? Where will you find it at? Hope is, a, I believe, a biblically defined as a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. It's a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. But listen, church, you cannot have confident expectation for something good in anything other than the one with the power and the character to deliver that good. We find ourselves all the time hoping is something that just simply cannot deliver. It doesn't have the power to, and it doesn't have the character to stick to its word. My prayer is that this Christmas season would be one where you enjoy your gift giving, that you enjoy God's health given to you and to your family members, but that your hope is found far away from the incompetent gods that we have fashioned for worship this year. Let's read the rest of 1 Timothy. Starting in verse 17, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a, God, as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Oh, Timothy, guard the good deposit. Sorry, guard the deposit. He says good deposit in 2 Timothy. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Two things. Two things we need to see before we get into the imperatives of this text. First of all, we are all rich in this present age. In this room, We are all rich. If you think that you are poor, you might be poor in perspective or poor in managing God's money, but not poor in self-sufficiency and riches. We are all rich in this present age. We all fit this category. 
Second thing is this. Self-sufficiency is the heart of the concern, not simply money. Paul says not to set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches. What does he contrast it with? Look at 17. As for the rich in the present days, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the certainty of the riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He contrasts our perceived self-provision with God's claim to exclusive provision. He contrasts what we think we can provide with the claim that God is the one who provides. He is saying your two options are self-sufficiency or sufficiency in God. These are your two pieces. These are your two options, your two roads that you can travel. Again, this is the problem with the rich man, right? I have all I need, no need for God, no room for God. I think haughtiness, what he's talking about here, haughtiness is, is simply a product of falsely perceived self-sufficiency. I can do this. I've got this on my own. Haughty, right? Pridefulness. Not to be haughty. This is, again, in the context. In the present age, these people building their own kingdoms, amassing their own wealth, charge them not to be haughty, nor to place uncertainty in their riches. So what is it then as we approach Christmas? What is Christmas as the world projects it? It's a display of man's wealth. It's a parent's opportunity to display their wealth to their kids. It's a display of wealth. It's a display of man's self-sufficiency. But Paul tells us that God provides everything we need and that He provides it for us to enjoy, but to enjoy understood as a gift from his hand, not from your hand, and not from my hand. So this is what Paul says. Let's get into the imperatives with those two things. Again, I know I'm moving quickly through this, but first of all, he says to set your hope on God. Set your hope on God. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know all of us in this room know this. We are to set our hopes on God, right? That's just what he said, obviously. Got it. But remember, it's a battle. It's a war. It's a fight. There are, probably currently, even at this moment, hope that you're placing in something uncertain instead of placing it on God. Paul says, don't settle for hope and uncertainties. It is no hope at all. As for the rich in this present day, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. If hope is the certain expectation of something good in the future, then any hope you might be finding in yourself is a lie. Or any hope you might be finding in something other than God is a lie. It cannot produce. Hope has to be able to produce. Otherwise, why are you hoping in it? So think about that. How many things do we place our hope in that it simply cannot produce what we're hoping it to produce? It's a good question to reflect on this week. Why do you think the money keeps, why, why do you think your hope 
keeps disappearing every time concerning your money. If you're placing hope in your paycheck, it's because your paycheck keeps running out. You can't find hope there if it keeps running out. That's foolishness, right? It's foolishness. It's false hope. Physical health. There can be no certainty of this other than our restored health for good in all of eternity once Jesus returns. But right now, there's no hope in health. I didn't say health care. There's no hope in health. Okay? There's no hope in your kid's happiness. Right? There's no hope. I'd just be satisfied if I could just make them happy. There's no hope in keeping a New Year's resolution. Like, there's no certainty in that. There's no certainty in that. I'll I'll be honestly, the only New Year's resolutions I've ever been successful at are the ones that that began with and continued and fueled by repentance. Those are the only New Year's resolutions I've ever kept. That was free. I like what Tripp says about foolishness. And just think about foolishness as we think about hope here, right, and wrong things. He says, our foolishness is a rejection of God, an inborn desire to replace God's wisdom with our own. Beneath it all, we want to be our own gods, revealing to ourselves all the truth that we need. So in order for us to, to maintain hope in something other than God, we have to convince ourselves that our belief and the truth that this can satisfy me is, is the truth and God's truth is a lie. We want to be God providing for ourselves all that we need, including our hope. What a waste of life. Guys, God knows what you need better than you, than you know. And in His provision of your needs, I'm sorry, and, and His provision of your needs is a certainty of which we can hope in. Hope in God is a hope that doesn't fade once the gifts hit the closet this season. Hope in God is a hope that doesn't fade when you fail your resolution. Hope in God is a hope that doesn't fade when that smile leaves your kid's face. With this hope, you won't waste money on building a shrine to foster hope in self. Hope in God. Paul says to Timothy, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. God, during this season of the year, has given us the environment for us to be charged not to place our hope in the uncertainty of our riches and all the things that come with the display of our riches in this season. The next thing we see is that your heart can only find true hope in something certain, which I would argue leaves only God. God and His doings, God and His plan, God and His character are the things we know to be certain. We place our hope in God. Again, just to tease out 17 a little bit further, he says, but on God. Not to place your certainty, your hope here, but place your certainty on God. Look at what Paul is saying. 
So God provides us, not with just everything we need. We know this from other scriptures and stuff as well. But God provides for our what? What's he say there, church? With everything to, what's the word? You can say it. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. He provides for our joy. I think I said that a little bit like Piper, right? For our joy, right? Our joy. He provides for our joy. (laughs) The church, He provides for our joy. Hope and the joy sought in the uncertainty of riches or hope and joy had in the certainty of our God. Those are the two options that God gives us this time of year. I mean, we have this all year long. It's just magnified during the season. This means that when this listen, this means that when your joy ceases this Christmas, once the shrine of presents are gone, once the smiles have been wiped from your face, once the realization of a family member missing or gone, once a resolution failed, if your joy ceases, it means that those things were not God's provisions for your joy. It means that you provided those things as provisions for your joy. God provides those things for you to enjoy Him. Because He says here, and not in the uncertainty of riches, but on God. We place our hope on God who richly provides with everything to enjoy. The enjoying comes from hope on God, from joy in God. God provides these things for us to find hope in Him. But if your joy ceases this season, it's because of idolatry, not because God's failing. It's joy in something else this season, not joy in God. If your hope ceases this season or faints for just a moment, it's because of idolatry. It's because of hope in something else. Not hope in God. Now he says here, what are some evidences of finding hope in God? He commands them to be in good to, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. What is what's going on here? It's it's someone that's not got all right, I've, got, I've, I've, I've built my source of joy and I'm going to hoard it all to myself. But this is someone who understands that everything that they're given for joy in God is, is shareable. Something we create is only shareable to the extent to which it continues to foster joy in self and hope in self. But someone with hope in God is generous and ready to share hope in God. He provides it all. He provides for our joy. We are given true hope, he says, because of true life. 1 Timothy 5.19 Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Why do we have hope in the return of Christ? Why do we have hope in God? It's because we have hope that our life is not being, or we're not settling for false life, for that which is not life, we're settling in this life for true life now, and then the true life in the future, ultimately. When we give up hope and self-sufficiency that we perceive to be self-sufficiency, 
and place our hope in God, we are taking hold of true life, he says. Storing up treasures in heaven and building a foundation for the future. I like what Rusty said about uh, Randy Alcorn last week who said, you know, what, what materials are you sending up to heaven? What are you sending? Are, are you sending them straw to build your mansion? Are you sending them brick and mortar? What are you sending up? This true life, it's life expecting the, expecting the certainty of a future with Him. And it's life now enjoyed with hope immeasurable. This is the true life for which when we give up self-sufficiency and we give up finding our hope in other things and we grasp a hold of it, we get expecting the certainty of a future with Him and a life now enjoyed with hope immeasurable. So where will you find your hope this Christmas? Where will you find your hope? Where will you lead your kids to find hope this Christmas? Where does your hope point your kids to find hope at this Christmas? Where, where, do you, where does it move them towards? What does it move them towards? Where does your hope point your coworkers to find hope this Christmas? Do you talk more about the gifts you bought your kids for Christmas than you do the gift you received at Christmas 2,000 years ago? How do we secure this hope? Like, think about this hope, hope in God. In the interest of brevity here, how do we secure this hope? How do we enjoy this season of hope and the celebration of the coming of our King? Look what Paul ends here. It has application for us in this season. But he gets here to the end of Timothy, 1 Timothy, and this letter to Timothy, and he, he's given him all these charges, all these things to do, all these things to lead in. And he says, Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit. Guard the truth. Now, I, I don't want to squeeze... And limit this guarding the deposit to just this idea of finding hope in God this Christmas season. It means so much more than that. So think about this and its application and what it means for all of that Paul has said to Timothy. But just for these few moments, in the interest of being brief, he says to Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. So one of the ways, or the way that we would, we would guard hope in God this season is to guard the truth. Now we have, in order to guard the truth, we have to know the truth, and then we have to guard the truth, actively war for the truth. How do, how's one of the ways we war for the truth in this season? War for it in your family. War for it that your kids would know the truth, not just the truth, guys, too, I would encourage you to do this too, not just the truth from mom and daddy's lips, but the truth from the Bible. Teach your kids this season, not, not just on Christmas, right? not just on the day. What are you doing in these weeks going up to Christmas? How are you, how are you guarding the truth in your family? This is not something that just happens. Your kids won't just go, oh, cool, yeah, I know the meaning of Christmas and my hope is in God. Like, it's, just like, it's not going to just happen. And it's not going to just happen by a, f- a few sentences on Christmas morning. 
It's going to happen because as a leader of God, you're warring for the guarding of this truth. Paul here is talking about the guarding the deposit entrusted to you. He's talking about Timothy. You've been given this deposit. You've been given this gospel. Now guard it. Stay away from the irreverent babble and contradictions. This Christmas season, I, we have, um, uh, I forgot to bring it up here with me, but I have a few copies of the daily Advent readings that John Piper wrote a few years ago. Um, I've got some copies for like five bucks that you're welcome to take, like five of those. But the, otherwise, you can go online to Desiring God and download the PDF of that for free. Um, and uh, it's, it's not like real little, little kid oriented. It's more adult, reflection, devotional oriented. And I want to encourage that. I'm going to read through that with my family this year. And, and it's just one of the ways I want to guard the truth with, our, with my family. How do we guard the truth? We fight, fight, fight for the truth. You see how this leading, the fight, cannot be just the leaders, church leaders' tasks. It's because the battle for hope rages at the corporate level of the church because it rages in the individual's heart. This Christmas season, how do we guard, how is Timothy going to guard the good deposit? It's going to begin in Timothy's heart. This truth entrusted to us, remember back, and Timothy says that we are the pillar and buttress of the church. As we guard the truth, we continue and stabilize this pillar and the buttress of the truth. And he says to Timothy, basically, some have stopped fighting for the faith, and because so, they have swerved from it. This is what's at stake. So, the season is not just a season of warm, fuzzy, let's all go enjoy family, although that's part of it, right? Enjoy our families, those things. Certainly these are good things. But this season, you get the opportunity to discover true hope. And God is just fashioned, just like He did in the garden. He fashioned this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve to live for all of eternity, and one in which ultimately His glory would be displayed in the failings of man. Same, similar here, he has fashioned for us this environment for him to chisel away at our empty hope we seek to find in other things other than him. Remember, hope is a confident expectation, desire for something good in the future. And how many things do we place our hope in that simply cannot deliver the uncertainty of riches? Again, God has created an environment in our day where we get to sift our hearts by the Holy Spirit and remove, and remove all the disappointing places that we place our hope in exchange for true life. It's not true life to place your hope in something that continues to let you down. That's not true life. But instead, hope in the Father. Hope that the work the Father began in the Son that fateful night the building of a kingdom filled with worshipers of God will one day be finished. In the manger, we have hope for a Redeemer. We have a hope of a Redeemer now come in the flesh. Church, I want you to encourage you to do this. Lead your families this year to find hope in that Redeemer but they likely won't find hope in that Redeemer if it isn't 
first your hope. The battle begins in your heart. Hope in your Redeemer. Hope in God. This season leads your families to find hope in Christ. I'm going to pray for us. We'll sing a song of reflection and then we'll be done for today. Father, I pray that uh, as we fight this fight, this season, that we would first of all see it as a fight. That the that the world fights for us to place our hope in it. Father, that we find so many things, so many options all around us, even beautiful creations that come from your hands, all as options in which to place our hope. Father, we know, as Paul reminds us here, that only thing that we can place our hope in is something that is certain. Otherwise, what are we hoping for? What do we have to hope for? Father, you are certain, and your promises we can believe as certain. Father, I, I pray that uh, as, we, as we seek to place our hope in you, that, that we would see joy immeasurable in our lives this season. And Father, lastly, I pray that in this time of year that we would reflect on hope not in our salvation, not in our means of good works and and what we can do to earn our way to heaven because there is no way, there is no hope in that. It is uncertain. As a matter of fact, it's it's certain to fail. But hope in your redeeming work in your Son and our placing our faith in the work of your son Jesus as the one who died on the cross for our sins. That there is certainty in. So Father, I pray that you would draw hearts to you today, even in this room, of those who are trying to place hope in other things. That they would discover that the end of that is always misery. But Father, joy about hope in you is joy for all of eternity. Why? Because we have been reconciled to our Creator. That our sins are forgiven as we place our faith in the work of your Son, Jesus. So Father, if there's anyone in this room who has not, has not placed their faith in the work of your Son, Jesus, alone, not in the church, not in good works, not in church membership, none of those things, but in your work in Jesus alone, I pray that they would do that this morning. And Father, for those of us who have placed our faith in Him, Father, I pray for continued perseverance, that our faith in the work of your Son, Jesus, would just continue to grow strong, stronger each day, as we weed out the things that we place hope in, that we could place hope exclusively in your Son, Jesus, in your work, Father, on our behalf, and for your glory. Father, I love you. Let us sing of your deep love for us in these next moments. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me?